welcome back to another episode of A Bite of D&D. This is Micah, and as always, I am sitting across the internet from my co-host, Zach. hey And with us, we still have our good friend, Devin. Uh, we are going to dive into a monster episode here as he kind of pulled out what wound up, at least for that session, being kind of the big bad of the the scenario Devin, what monster are we going to take a look at today we are going to look at the helmed horror that's a classic monster from the monster manual and i'm excited to talk about this it's 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 like the upgraded version of the animated armor which you also ran what drew you to the uh helmed horror Devin? I had this idea in the in the kind of in the foyer of the haunted house I was running just the standard empty suits of armor that giving it a decrepit feel and you always think something's watching you and so I put them in a hallway and I just kind of threw the helm tour in as like if they activate this thing it's kind of the big bad to defeat among them and it just felt good thematically cool so you just flipped through the monster man you were saying earlier and you found things that looked cool so was it just the visual or was there something specific about the helm tour that stuck out to you Mostly the visual, because yeah, the the glowing red behind the faceplate with no face, um, just kind of like that again, the upgraded version of the auto or the um, animated armor. Like it just mm-hmm. like the style of it really drew me. So, Micah, you were saying earlier that you're surprised that you you kind of feel like maybe this is a little bit of an easy fight potentially as a CR four encounter. Talk to me about your your reaction there. I think. And and maybe easy is a bit too much, but definitely seems to be on the weaker end. This is more of a a battle of attrition than it is, in my mind, a necessarily dangerous fight. And the reason for that is, while it does make two attacks, it doesn't have any crazy abilities or anything. It's a, a standard longsword with a strength modifier on it. So for a CR4... In my opinion, it's a little bit weak. What makes it interesting is the fact that there's a lot of pretty cool defensive abilities on this guy that you don't typically see at low levels. I was going to say, you know, a lot of the monsters in the mon- in the monster manual are glass cannons. They're kind of built to be high damage output, but put down easy yeah. or quickly. This is the complete opposite of that and my just my read through of it. It's a little bit more of a war of attrition. Now, I would say if you have any spellcasters in your group, it can go by pretty quick. But I think the most abusive of which is the Warlock, which this shuts down quite nicely with a very rare immunity to force damage amongst the Necrotic and Poison. Yeah, I mean, a Warlock's Eldritch Blast is going to be garbage. And then also just the spell immunity, especially if you know your party and if it's reasonable that a Helmed Horror was created in preparation for the party of adventurers, it's entirely possible that you could shut them down pretty heavily. Devin, you knew exactly the level of the party that you were pitting this against. Did you did you pick out what spells they were, a Helmed Horror was immune to or did you just roll with what's mentioned here in the book i rolled with what was mentioned um for half the party i didn't know what their characters were going to be uh until they showed up so i had um i had the level but i didn't have like what to worry against for the most part which is fair i always go back to the it's not fudging your dice you were just prepared exactly how you need to be 
And if they say a spell, I may decide that it's immune against that spell. But it was always prepared to be immune against that spell. I just happened to realize it when it was cast. (laughs) Yeah, I really like... uh, So just uh, going through their stat block, there's several things on the defensive side that stick out to me as something that's completely different. First off, AC of 20. That's a super rare instance in this book. Um, 20 is just high in general. I think the average AC for the Monster Manual is 16. Yeah, yeah. This is this is impressive right out the gate there. Then just two lines down, you have a move speed and then you have a fly speed. For a CR4 creature to have a fly ability is, is potent because most of your characters aren't going to be flying at this point. Well, it's also not something I feel like you would expect out of this creature, especially if you are given a a visual representation of what it is. If this thing starts flying at you, it's uh, you see it from the ground floor, and you're like, "Oh, well, we're safe." Do a blow a raspberry at it, and it flies up to smack you in the face. Uh, it's not something you'd really see coming, I don't think. Uh, then jumping down two more, you mentioned um, immunities. Before that, we have damage resistances, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks made with non-adamantine weapons. So it's not quite as deadly as, hey, if it's not magical, it can't be hit. And most people aren't going to do the side venture to get an adamantine weapon. Well, but, especially at, at level four. Yeah. It's, a, it's an odd swipe. I feel like these guys, Devin, you tell me what you think after looking at him in Micah too, but I feel like these guys aren't meant to be and I think 100% I'm down with where you put them as being a big bad to some extent in your haunted house, Devin, but I feel like largely these are designed to be more of like guards Oh yeah, these are like these are my new favorite bodyguard for a wizard Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what they, what the, the feeling they give off especially reading this out loud Yeah, you you don't expect it where I had it it served its purpose, but they definitely are more like station, and they are a wall of defense. Uh, they're not a meat shield. They are their metal shield, uh, and they right. are for do not pass through here. Now, what I will say is if you – we kind of touched on this with the animated armor, but if you want to make one of these a little bit more of a boss character for your players, uh, I think this would be a very suitable monster to give a particularly – interesting magic sword or weapon too that does quite a bit more damage it fits in with the theme of a an armored uh animated suit anyway uh and then you can give them more damage than their listed long sword attack give them something that's maybe like a plus one sword that adds a d6 of like necrotic or force damage would be a little bit crazy on a weapon like that but necrotic damage or something like that Uh, and suddenly they've got a little bit more weight behind them especially at level three when you can kind of take a couple two or three long sword hits anyway you're no longer going down in one hit so adding in that extra dice especially with two makes them feel like a real tangible threat without being too crazy uh certainly still a winnable fight and then you throw in those resistances and now they feel like a real threat and a, a solid reward to boot once it's dead my one i i would wonder so i'm going back to this ac of 20 and i'm thinking back to the level three characters devin was it hard for your party to hit these guys surprisingly no there were a few times i would say about a quarter of all the attacks missed 
but everyone was rolling annoyingly well at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, welcome to being a DM. Your players will always roll annoyingly well, in my experience. But ultimately, you are correct in your assertion when we first began all this. If they're having a good time, that's the important thing. But sometimes I really just want people laying on the ground in a pool of blood, like crying themselves to sleep. Well, especially at the end of a haunted house, you kind of want that feel. You want the feel of desperation. Um, I will say as a credit to the party, our cler- their cleric was doing their job. The, their cleric, the cleric was, was doing, doing God's Lord's work. work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's awesome. So let's see. We're jumping down. We already talked about damage immunities, force, necrotic poison. I think that's a good stack. That should, again, make them really surprising. Conditioned immunities, all the basic ones for construct. Then we get down here to senses, and we have a blind sight of 60 feet, which, again, it doesn't make a whole – it's not a necessary thing for a third-level party, but for a party that is has wizards and things like that that are constantly invisible, a higher-level party – this is a big deal. Uh, yeah, blindsight is fairly rare. Now, these guys uh, are completely blind beyond the radius of their 60 feet. So if you have a way to keep them kited or slow them down, you've definitely got a huge advantage. But especially at low levels, if they try to do any invisibility shenanigans to hide, they know where you are. Then just skipping on down, we've got magic resistance, that's pretty standard, and then spell immunity, which we already talked about. And then they had the multi-attack where they can make two longsword attacks. So pretty cut and dry as far as their attack actions go. Let's talk for a minute about how we would, I mean, Devin's already talked about putting them at the end of a haunted house full of objects that come alive, which I really like that idea. What are some other ideas about how we can take this creature and put it into our games in a way that is interesting? I thought Devin already had a, another plan there for a second. We will come back to you because I have a feeling you will have something uh, in the not-so-distant future for us. But personally, I think I'm going to go back to giving them magic weapons. I think these guys would be a pretty cool warden of a long-lost treasure vault, especially with Waterdeep kind of being the new main focus for the season and stuff going forward. The Mad Mage has plenty of stuff down there, but there's some slightly crazy mages that maybe have started a dungeon of their own uh, with some slightly lesser defenses that you'd find in the Undermountain. And I think these could be a pretty cool introductory dungeon vault for them to uncover while introducing them to what can very quickly turn scary when none of your abilities for crowd control and and whatnot uh, seem to affect them while they're just barreling down on you. I'll say um, that they make a good lieutenant, like like, or even more than a lieutenant. Like I think they make a good red herring as like a villain for a, a little adventure path, in that they are like an animated object, but they have an intelligence. They actually have an intelligence of ten. So these are a creature that not only have a purpose, but they actually can. They can manipulate themselves throughout an encounter or throughout a scenario to get to that purpose in the best way possible. So I don't think it's unreasonable that these guys could be leading like an undead mass. And if your players, you know, hear about this armored, uh, this man, an armored plate from head to toe leading an undead horde, they're going to suspect, oh, this is a boss. This is a villain. This is a whatever. 
and and then they fight him and when they defeat him it's just a pile of armor and to me that's kind of like a fun oh what who who was controlling this who made this creature might be I'm, a fun little I'm sorry heroes but your villain is in another suit of armor <laughs> exactly I got I got a fun way to throw in and it's more um kind of sticking with my theme of something like a haunted house or like just something you don't expect I could see it being in sort of not guarding the treasure vault, but in the treasure vault and being somewhat suppressed through either like an anti-magic field or something like that. And then as the heroes are looting everything and something breaks or something moves, then it activates and it's uh, not even a guard, but it's just acting out of that last known base instinct of either survival or destroy kind of a thing. Well, if we want to throw this thing in inside the treasure vault, you know, this could actually be potential loot for a higher level party if you can control with that the magic, weapon. magic i mean similar to how shield guardians have the pendant that if you wear it you control it if you gave them control over a helmed horror or you know something like because despite its name it's a, a neutral creature there's no malevolence baked into it it does whatever the the creator tells it to it could then be kind of like a, a bodyguard or a soldier at a keep a stronghold mm-hmm. that your players control. And it could be a long lost relic that they uncover in that treasure vault as opposed to necessarily being a creature to fight. This could actually be a pretty cool higher level reward for your players. Another little suggestion. You know, this is this is basically an animated suit of armor. I kind of like the idea of it being almost a mech suit for like a war priest or some sort of evoker or wizard or something like. So the 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 helmed horror has its attack and its its movement and its armor, and then inside it is a wizard who is casting spells or X Y or Z, and you have to get through the helmed horror's AC of twenty and its sixty some hit points in order to get to the wizard without coordinated attacks. I don't know. Just kind of like the idea that it's that it's the treasure that it's protecting is inside of it and maybe alive. Well, I was going to say, you know that's not necessary because everyone in Adventurers League is just going to pick Hill Dwarf Wizards so that they have heavy armor <laughs> proficiency anyway, and they're already running around with 20 AC to start things off. So I'm bringing a gun to a gunfight. Yes. Is there anything else you guys want to go over or any other ideas that you want to cover as far as this this creature goes? I think for the most part, uh, this one's pretty straightforward. Being a construct, it it kind of emulates whatever its master desires, whether that be a wizard or the dungeon master. It certainly gives you a lot of flexibility in how it's rung, what you can use it for. But I do, I know we kind of went over it. I really want to hit home that the spell immunity is probably my favorite ability that I've seen on a monster so far that we've done. A lot of things have spell resistance, but this is one of the few that you can just give them straight up immunity to three spells of your choice. And I think it's not hard to just say something is immune to it, but I guess it's unique enough that I, because I haven't seen on other printed monsters, I really like that, especially as a constructed creature. And so I think it's a little puzzle, it's a little right? Puzzle. It's 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 kind of unique. I mean, there's not much to figure out when you cast Fireball, and it's like, oh, it doesn't seem hurt. There's a little bit. Is it immune to fire damage? What's going on? Maybe they're afraid to firebolt it or burning hands or some of their other spells and it's it's just literally immune to that one spell 
I don't know. Uh, it, it's interesting. Maybe maybe as a player, it'd be viewed more as a a cheating ability on the DM. I guess I did start that off by saying it might conveniently be immune to whatever spell I need it to be immune to. So there is some truth to that. But it's just one of those things you don't see a whole lot. And I think, especially if you revamp these, add in like the the veteran or the champion, the warlord sort of templates that you can place over over your creatures to give these things a little bit more longevity outside of CR4 and use them in other situations. I think that's an ability that continues to be powerful later on that can make these guys really scary no matter what situation you put them in. So I would just mention, I guess, uh, a couple things. First off, we haven't mentioned, I don't know a whole lot about them, but but you talked about ramping these guys up. They're the the powerful type of helmed horror is called a battle horror. I think in the lore, a battle horror is like the 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 advanced version. So there is something there. I think they're also called shadow guards. But the other thing I would say, I liked what you said about you know, do they have fire resistance or whatnot? People trying to figure it out. The, I think these are guys that are easily flavored to whatever setting you're in. Um, you know, if you're in your castle in the tundra these guys could have you could swap out some of their immunities some of their resistances they could have immunity to cold instead of immunity to poison or x y or z like those things can be adjusted on the fly and then i think you could adjust their spells that they're immune to to make sense for what the theme of it is of the castle you know and if you kind of get into the mind of the wizard that created these creatures what is their purpose what is the purpose of this creature is it guarding a vault Okay, and is the vault in the middle of a volcano? Well, then, it, yeah, probably all of its immunities, all of its resistances are going to be around fire and that sort of thing. Well, and I and probably you hit on basically the same vein that I wanted to touch on is that in the monster manual it shows it kind of filled with like this reddish energy, depending on what it's immune to. Say it has lightning immunity or immune to lightning bolt and other similar spells. Maybe it's filled with a crackling, almost static electricity. You can hear the pops and snaps from further away. If it's from like an ice castle, its armor is frosted over. You can see a sheen of ice over it. And again, like you said, you give it appropriate tailored resistances and spells for that. Maybe it's filled with the slurping eldritch horror and you see tentacles kind of lashing out from the cracks in the armor. It's got resistance to poison, necrotic, and cold damage. I mean, you can flavor it however you need to, both in description and the resistances and spells that it's resistant and immune to. And I think that does, again, lend it a lot of adaptability to no matter what you're doing with it. Oddly enough, you said that it's not resistant at all to psychic damage as is, which mm-hmm. I find fascinating. But anyhow, uh, typically a lot of times the constructs are immune to psychic damage. But but anyhow, but this uh, one's an intelligent construct. That's true. That's fair. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, Devin, anything else you want to add to this? All I just want to say is I feel sorry for my players for the next time I bring this out. I got a lot of good <laughs> ideas from you guys. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, most of them know where to find us, so I claim no responsibility. That should wrap us up for this episode. Uh, We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in again. If you like us, as always, we'd appreciate a like or a review or a comment on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Anywhere that you can find us online, we'd be happy to hear from you. That's right. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you, Devin. Hey, thanks for having me.
anytime. Uh, next time, make sure you kill your players, though, before you come out. This is a prestigious club. It's TPKs only. <laughs> All right, one TPK coming right up. <laughs>